Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The next time a guy pushes me away emotionally, I'm going to assume it's because he's made a vow to his father that he can't continue the family line. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. We are back from a brief hiatus that I sort of took to regroup and restructure the show. So thank you for being patient. And I'll just take a little moment now to kind of explain why I decided to change things up. And then we'll just get right into uh, what we all want to hear about. Essentially, I just wanted to be able to talk about more couples. I wanted to talk about the shows that we're all watching now and the nostalgic shows that we all love. And I wanted to make sure the show fits into your podcast rotation. So here's Talking Ship in its new format. We're focusing on a different couple every week. And each week we're going to use this couple to frame a specific relationship topic. So when we're covering the big epic seven season couples, we might not get to everything right away, but I promise we will circle back and eventually get there. And... This also allows us to talk about some of the couples we love that are from shows with only one or two seasons or couples that are not the central focus of the show. And this new format works better for that so that I'm not trying to like spread a very small relationship into five hours of talking, (laughs) which of course leads us to today's couple, Daphne and Simon of Netflix's biggest show of all time, Bridgerton. So today we'll be discussing the show, we'll be discussing Daphne and Simon, and we'll be talking about this very, you know, non-fictional idea of falling for somebody who's quite a bit emotionally unavailable. Who can relate? Not me. But before we get into them, I'd like to introduce, of course, the OG co-host, and uh, I hope a frequent, what I'm going to call, correspondent of Talking Ship, and that is, of course, Katie Butterwitz. Welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to be here talking about Bridgerton, back with my my shit accent. (laughs) You know, no one can see, but I've got these really horrible, like, wispy Daphne bangs going on today, where they're just like, are they bangs? Are they not bangs? Who's to say? So we are primed and ready. She's super committed to this relationship and not quite (laughs) committed to if she wants to go for curtain bangs or not. Um, (laughs) So before we get into the couple itself, let's talk about Bridgerton as a show. Please. You know, this is a show that like a lot of the Netflix shows and a lot of like the streaming shows um, have come out during a global pandemic. It swept the world uh, so fast. Oh, my God. Like everyone was watching it all at once. Um, But it's still been like over a month and we're still seeing memes about Simon. I'm still getting turned on listening to Vitamin String Quartet. So um, (laughs) I'd like to discuss just a little primer, like discuss for a few minutes. Why are we all still obsessed with this show and intrigued by this couple? Well, I feel really validated as as a member of the community of girls who watch Pride and Prejudice 2005, (laughs) like once a week. I feel really validated that everyone else is finally in Regency England with me. Um, But I think what this did so particularly well that made it such a sort of widespread phenomena was phenomenon. 
But yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I think it's that I think people really love subverting concepts or essentially mm-hmm. taking what we know to be true or what we assume, like what we're taught, and turning it on its head. So I think to set a show in Regency England, a yeah. place in time that we generally think of as like so proper and refined and demure, mm-hmm. and to make it so sex forward yeah. and in some ways sex positive, I'm not going to go overboard with that one, yeah. um, I think is really intriguing for people, you know? Like yeah. when we were watching it, we kept saying that it's like Pride and Prejudice meets Gossip Girl. And truly, like, if you if I heard that logline without knowing the show, I would be like, what is that? I have to see it. Like, I have to see how those worlds come together. There's also some like very direct Pride and Prejudice parallels, like when they have sex, like in the marble. Yeah. In the, in the that, like yeah, rotunda <laughs> moment. Yeah. At first I was like, what's going on? But then, you know, you read more and you see that Phoebe Dinevore like based a lot of her performance off of Keira Knightley. But there's oh, something insane. so specific about her like, um, I don't want to quote just the girl who made this video on TikTok, but to quote it, mouth acting. Like there's something mm-hmm. so specific about her mannerisms and her way of speaking um, that we have come to identify with like a well-spoken woman of Regency England. Mm-hmm. So it felt very familiar in that way too, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. I think it's nice that it's like it does feel a little bit nostalgic for the 2005 girls. Um, but it's also like what Netflix does so well, which is something like beautiful and new and sparkly for us all to look at and be taken away by and giggle about on the internet altogether. Oh, 100%. And listen, we got to give it up to Shonda. I think like 80% of my TV watching time during COVID has been Shonda based (laughs) shows. Yeah, She's a monolith. Exactly. And she like, you know, we know she didn't create the show. But my favorite catch from rewatching to prep for this episode is (laughs) there's a part where er, Simon's like taught Daphne how to like is is telling Daphne about masturbation. Mm -hmm. He goes into this whole thing. And then they have to like leave. And he goes, come. And then then she's playing the piano, like intercut with her masturbating. And then her mom goes, you finished. And I was like, I like to think that that's Shonda. Oh, man. That was Shonda's note. There was also all this um, editing. And I know what this is now. Like I read about it. And since I started delving into the Bridgerton books, I know that it has Mm -hmm. to do with the Bridgerton like patriarch, but all of the editing of the the bees. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was always so curious about the whole beam. The beam motif has to do with their dad so spoiler warning if you're reading the books spoiler warning if you're reading the books just tune out for 10 seconds he like died via a bee sting and it's like a whole thing um so that's like a recurring motif but you can come back if you were uh, gone for the spoiler warning (laughs) i thought that they were just doing like a really interesting like bachelor in paradise editors fun moment where they were like the birds the bees sex and i was like sure why not And so just to move on to like Daphne and Simon and our obsession with that relationship, I think we're on board choo-choo for several reasons. Mm -hmm. And I think partially it's that like in a lot of ways, this is everyone's fantasy. Like everyone wants to be the Daphne that inspires the sexy, avoidant, non-committal, hot, mysterious damage guy to settle down. We all want to be the exception to the rule. And we all want to imagine that like every time a guy bails on us or ghosts us, it's because he's protecting us from himself. And, and, and I think a lot of people want the person that like hates everybody, but us. Yeah. 
And on top of that, we get the added rom-com trope of let's pretend to like each other to fool everybody else or for other reasons. And then we yeah, oh, let's fake up. date. That never yeah. goes poorly. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. So how could we not ship it? there? And we get oral sex on a ladder. So how could we not <laughs> this couple? Yeah, so while I do, I think they have amazing chemistry and I do think their passion for each other is very real. But I mostly I feel like we're obsessed because like, this romance highlights everybody's fantasies. I think we all think we can be the Daphne that can change someone's mind when they tell us they can't be in a relationship. But usually Simons are truly not ready and they're not going to change. So I don't know. Today we're going to talk about that. And, you know, the idea that Daphne and Simon do work through this emotional distancing. And if we can take any of those things into our non-fictional lives as we pursue unavailable men. A hundred percent. I mean, I don't even know if this is the right place to bring this up, but it feels relevant. Like it just in that I've started reading the books. I know. So listen, I know that, you know, uh, film and television is a business of moving pictures and Phoebe Dinovore is undoubtedly gorgeous. But in the books, Daphne is described as like exceptionally plain. I mean, not not ugly or anything, but she like they just make a point, as so many books do, oh my God, mm-hmm. of hitting you over the head with the fact that like she's just so normal. Like, and aren't they all? Isn't every Bella Swan and Katniss yeah. Everdeen and everyone, they're just the most normal girl. And I, I was shook by that because I think that really feeds into the trope of like, it's just that there's something about her. Yeah. Like, in the book, you you sort of jump back and forth between their perspectives, and Simon is like, I don't know what it is. Like, she's just so beautiful to me. Are they talking about Daphne? Are they calling her plain? No, you know? And so even more so, but I think this comes up in the show 100%. It's, it's that, like, unattainable quality of, like, I don't know what it is about her, but it's going to make me change everything I ever said I'd yeah. do in my yeah. life. <laughs> And of course, who doesn't want to be that magical? Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And mostly, mostly I think it is magic. And like, oh, that's why we're on board for shows like this. Yeah. But I do think I do think there are things that are pull on our heartstrings for familiar reasons. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, at the end of the day, just to find the silver lining or the lesson out of it, I think, you know, we'll get there. But they both end up finding a fair amount of communication Mm-hmm. They take a lot of wrong turns to get there, but I think exactly. they end up in the right place. So yay, hooray. Maybe we can learn something from it. So that leads us to, so, you know, we're all kind of obsessed with this relationship, but in a non-1800s world, what exactly does this dynamic look like? And can we even find it in our non-fictional lives? And we think you can. So we're going to break it down for you in relatable content. It me, doth me, <laughs> Lady Whistledown. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's try to make uh, Daphne and Simon relatable to us in our non-fictional lives. You may be in a Simon and Daphne situation if you have amazing chemistry and mutual care for somebody, but you know they are not a healthy option for you right now. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it hurts. Yep. Uh, you might be in a Simon and Daphne situation if you find yourself falling for someone who is off limits. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? That's his best friend's little sister. Yep. Yep. You might be in a Simon and Daphne situation if you have other romantic options that might be easier or make more sense or, you know, make you a princess, but you are, <laughs> you ca- keep being drawn in by this person. 
You might be in a Daphne and Simon situation if you feel like you're both on the inside of a joke with the rest of the world, if that makes sense. It's kind of mm-hmm. like what you were talking about in Europe, the office season with Jim and Pam. Like they just have each other to be in on the joke. Yes. Which is why one of my favorite scenes is I think it's as early as episode two or three is when they're at the ball. It's the ball where Cressida like faints and they're just like making mm-hmm. fun of everybody together. And you're like, that's the dream. I just want to like, I just want to make fun of people with you. Yeah. I could go to boring parties for the rest of my life. As long as I have you to like gossip about people with like, that's exactly the most fun a girl can have. Listen. Yeah. If there's one takeaway from Bridgerton, it's that gossip is timeless. Yes. We're going to do <laughs> what women do best. Talk. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. The topic of today, the fantasy of taming the emotionally unavailable man or human. We're not trying to uphold a gender binary. Um, Women are are emotionally unavailable all the time. But I do think due to toxic masculinity and an unfair pressure on men to suppress their emotions, which we do see quite explicitly played out in Simon's flashbacks, um, we do see this happen a lot with men. Mm -hmm. Um, And at least in the canon of film and television, it's certainly represented more in men. Yes, yes. Um, And listen, we know we acknowledge that due to the period and the style of the show, um, this isn't going to be a perfect parallel, okay? Because we're going to have to ignore the whole like um, (laughs) patriarchy and women having their lives decided for them by men and the spring awakening. um, I don't know about sex of it all. (laughs) Oh, I was screaming at my television. I was like, this woman doesn't even know what a vagina is and you're taking her to parties to get married. I can't. Well, and that, that the brothers I'm do. Sure. Like, the brothers are like, I should have taken you to more brothels. <laughs> yeah, fully. Like, it just, the whole, the whole thing was, it's too much. It's too yeah. much. So. Yeah. So that's not super relevant in 2021. But I do think there is definitely a parallel between emotionally distant men like Simon and the men of today. So that being said, I think we should just briefly start with our own experiences. Um, okay. Katie, have you ever fallen for somebody emotionally unavailable? It's almost like laughable because like... I know. Because like, what, what even is that question? Have you ever yeah. breathed air? Yeah, I'm certain that I have. But here's my biggest takeaway on that is like, I don't think it's super affected me in a huge way mm-hmm. because... And I can only speak for myself, but as a woman in 2021, I think I've made boundaries such a priority, which is not to say like, yay, I'm perfect at boundaries because like I'm definitely not. But I think you're right. You know, it's fairly prevalent in men that they end up noncommittal or avoidant because of the burdens put on them by society, the patriarchy, you name it. Mm -hmm. And I think nowadays it's pretty easy to spot that like a mile away and want the best for someone, but just not like sign up to be the one to fix it or to be the champion of their growth. However, as the flip side, I think we've all been in a situation where you sort of start off with someone and right out the gates, they say, hey, I'm not ready for, you know, X, Y, Z. Like they set those boundaries themselves. And we come up against the fact that we're human, you know, as much as you can agree to boundaries like that and be like, yes, totally. That works for me. I promise not to fall in love with you. If you Mm. have feelings for someone, you have feelings for them. There's only so much logic you can apply to get around that. At the end of the day, you have to feel what you feel because you're human. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I feel like, unfortunately, I end up dating a lot of creative types who like once they they learn that I am a captive audience, they're like, let me put all of my problems onto you and help with everything. So I don't feel like I've dealt with like a true Simon in that extent. But um, what I have dealt with is a guy who I fell pretty hard for who I thought and think uh, still has a lot of unprocessed trauma, which Mm -hmm. feels very Simon. 
And he thinks that he like had it all figured out, I think very yep. similarly to Simon. And this person that I like fell for, like just decided he doesn't believe in long term relationships or love and that every marriage is doomed. And that I think he has literally said like something along the lines of, I don't get my hopes up in relationships because what's the point? People just disappoint you. <laughs> like, oh, great. Right out of my We love script. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> original yeah how original uh, speaking of original like I really do feel like does this all just come down to daddy issues because he also not to like get too much into his personal life but like had a dad who like cheated and lied and never owned up to it and I think like so you know very literal Simon parallels and I think he just decided like this is how my life is going to be I'm not going to be able to be in healthy relationships marriages can't last instead of like dealing with all the hurt and the trauma his father had caused and figured out figuring out a way to be happy in relationships despite that he decided his fate it's one thing to be who you are because of your trauma but it's another thing to be who you are limited by your trauma like exactly yeah I think I think he just was like well this is what happened to me so this is the way it is versus like not letting that limit your options exactly and I think that's what Daphne helps Simon discover is like you of course this shaped you how could it not and of course that pain was very real but you are now choosing a life that is like limited by what your father did and I think like I wanted this person to like work through all of that trauma for me to be with me and he was just not capable of that like that's Mm -mm. not where he was in his life but I, you know, held on for way too long. But that's hard when you can see the potential of who someone can be. Yes. You know what I mean? And you're like, God, but I see the finish line. But it's if they don't want to do the work, you can't do it for them. Right. The most romantic thing would be if you decided to work on yourself for me, that we decided to work on ourselves together. But you can't force somebody to do something you don't want to do. So yeah. And so that leads nicely. I think the next thing we should go into is how do you know if you're dealing with a Simon? Mm. And by that in this particular situation, we mean like, what are the signs that he's, he's not, I, maybe we'll go into this now. I don't think he's a fuck boy and he's not a jackass. (laughs) Like he's not uncaring, but he's really emotionally guarded because of all the stuff that happened with his dad. So how do you know if you're dealing with this type of person? What is a Simon in the non-fictional 2021 world? I want to bring it back to what you were just saying. I think the telltale sign of a Simon is someone who issues like a lot of edicts and has a lot of black Mm -hmm. and white opinions on life without really explaining or substantiating them. Um, Just being like, this is the way it is. And this is what I think because, and I think they are so often they're un unfounded or unexplained because I think, you know, I think people are smart for the most part. I think these people know that if they were to expand on it, people would see them for what they really are, which is just walls or defense mechanisms versus like actually founded opinions on life. Yeah. Similarly, like I think it's the person who tells you I'm not a relationship person or I can't make a commitment right now with absolutely no explanations why. Because a different person would go into like, I've been hurt in the past. And like, let me tell you about my past heartbreak or like, I just want to be single right now. But this is just being guarded and just being like, I can't have kids, I can't marry you and not giving you any explanations to why. And it's so infuriating because you're like, 
I bet I could help you or I bet that it's really not that <laughs> Like bad. what if we talked about it? Yeah, it's not – I feel like that's where the genesis of this like wanting people to change for you comes from is it's not like I don't want you to change for me. I want you to change for you. Like you for seem you. to have all these garbage opinions based in nothing. Yes. And I yes. look like a problem. <laughs> and I think this comes down to is just like more emotionally intelligent <laughs> people not being able to help themselves and like wanting to help yeah. less emotionally. I just want to like raise the vibrations of the whole world. Yeah. You're bringing me down. <laughs> oh, um, and, okay. So the, that, and then I also think you're a Simon if he's the type of person, unlike emotionally available people who don't put down a lot of roots, both emotionally and physically, because mm-hmm. probably they don't trust people. So it could just be simple, like the physical stuff, like he doesn't stay in one place for too long, but it also, I think could be that he doesn't have friends or family that are too close. I feel like there are men who I've gotten to know and after a while of talking to them or in hanging out with them, I'm like, do you have friends? Like, I literally <laughs> never hear you talk about seeing anybody else. Like, do are there other people you share your emotions with? Because th- that, I think, is a red flag in general. But I yeah. also think it's such a Simon thing of, like, not trusting people and pushing them away. Like, even the one or two friends we know that he does have, they don't know anything about, like really what he's going through yeah like at all yeah that's funny this next one you have is my favorite so please get into this one I love this one yeah I think a Simon will also push you away when he senses that you have gotten too close or that he has gotten too close and this is classic damaged goods I'm bad for you or at least we all want to believe that it's I'm bad for you. When I, a lot of times I think it's not as mar, it's not like as martyrdom. What am I trying to say? Yes, really, totally martyrdom. It's like it's a lot of times I think it could be that, and it also could just be fear. It also could just be I'm not yeah. ready for this. Probably but I think both. We all, probably a little both, but I think I want to always believe that it's like, I'm bad for you. So the next time a guy pushes me away emotionally, I'm going to assume it's because he's made a vow to his father that he can't continue (laughs) the family line. (laughs) But yeah, these, these boys of like, yeah, the reason, the reason I'm obsessed with this one, this sign is because I call this the twilight new moon. And I think it's some damn (laughs) bullshit. Some damn bullshit right here because we're taught to like fantasize and be like, oh my God, he wants to protect me. Oh, he holds me on such a high pedestal. No, what you want to do is take away my agency and not allow me to make decisions with you as an adult. And I think that's Mm -hmm. bananas. You know what I mean? Like, okay, on the, like, if you are bad for me, let me decide for myself. Yeah. Let me figure that out on my own. I'm an adult. I mean, Daffy's questionably an adult, but still. (laughs) (laughs) And she does. And that's what I do like, like Bard. She does like speak to that a little bit. um, Yeah. And then, you know, almost gets herself shot in a duel. But. Oh um, my God. That whole, (laughs) that whole moment. I, when she like fell down and didn't say anything at first and he was like, Daphne, are you okay? And she didn't answer. Daphne, are you okay? I was like, (laughs) my God. God. Like uh, if I could just watch, if I could make compilations of scenes and shows where guys worry about girls, I'd be happy all day long. Which is like so here's here's how it is to be a human because I feel like that's yeah. so not contradictory to what I just said, but I'm like, give me my agency. Oh my god, worry about me. Like worry that's just you. the duality <laughs> of being a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's both. Which brings <laughs> us to being a human. If you are dealing with a Simon, if you couldn't help yourself and you have fallen for somebody who was putting up walls, who is unwilling <laughs> to commit. 
But maybe, just maybe, they had this soft romantic underbelly. Mm-hmm. And I think for argument's sake, because I never want to encourage anybody to chase after somebody who's not ready to be in a relationship with them. I don't believe that we can like change somebody's mind about wanting a relationship. I think that's a fantasy. But let's say they let's say for argument's sake, they do want a relationship. But being a vulnerable, communicative, emotionally available person is new for them as it was. Like, how do you handle it? Because I do think it got to there were different points throughout the arc where Simon really did want to make it work with Daphne. And there were different levels of how transparent he was being about what's in his way. Yeah. Um, And because, you know, Daphne specifically, like, quote unquote, succeeds in getting Simon to open up. So I think what we'll go into is like what she did that is like a real applicable tactic or I don't know, tactic is the right word because I don't think she was like conscious of what she was doing. She wasn't like scheming to get him. Yeah. 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 So like real things that work, real behaviors that work that could potentially successfully get people like this to open up and be available to you. So what's yeah. real and what is like Shondaland fantasy? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to sound too sappy about it, but I think the bottom line, like biggest thing she did that was successful. And so mm-hmm. take this with you if you're in this situation is just like love him, <laughs> just mm-hmm. love on him. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times when we love people who have big walls up, our instinct is to like batter against these walls and be like, let me in. And I don't think that works. Um, It might be able to, but I think more often than not, that's going to cause someone to like freeze up and shut down. Um, I think really all you can do is just love on them and like allow them the space to feel comfortable to express things or acknowledge things. Like I think about, (laughs) this is like my favorite metaphor for life. And because I'm a dweeb, I have a visual aid, but I'm not going to go grab it. But like, remember those, those finger cuffs when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, um, obviously you guys, you know, listening at home can't see what I'm doing, but it's this, you would like take your two index fingers and put them in the finger cuff. And the more you would pull, the tighter it would get. Mm -hmm. I think all of life is like that because the more you're like, oh God, and like struggle against something, the more you're like, let me in just the tighter it's going to get. And the more sort of like trapped you're going to feel. But if you just sort of instead relax and ease into it, I think then your world opens up tenfold. So I think that is what Daphne did in so many ways that was successful. I think ultimately she did have her moments where she, you know, overstepped and yeah. did the the forceful route instead. And I think we saw the ways in which that blew up in her face. But yeah, so I take yeah. some and leave some. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree because I think – my instinct when I am like starting to pursue somebody that's like a little more emotionally closed off is to like put on my construction hat and like start battering down the walls. (laughs) And that looks a lot like, do you want to talk about it? You know, when I get like a little, a little pebble of information, I'll be like, wow, tell me more. Do you think it's because of your broken family dynamic? And (laughs) Daphne, as you said, gives him space. And like the moment that I want to highlight is it's in an early episode. It's when they're looking at the painting and when they're at a ball and they escape to this room and they're looking at this painting and he gives her like a little moment where he says something like vulnerable and personal, like probably for the first time that she's mm-hmm. heard him. And what she does is she like takes a beat, kind of realizes like he's probably not going to say anymore. And then she opens up about something pretty like personal about her. Not, it's not like the most personal, serious thing in the world, but she just like, 
takes a step forward. And what I like about this is that she is leading with vulnerability by example. And she's taking like a brave, clear step forward in their like emotional relationship and not necessarily like forcing him to do the same, but like creating the space for him to do the same. And then we get the sexy handhold, which is one of my uh, favorite (laughs) Daphne Simon moments. I think it's, yeah, it's very much like, yeah, she saw him offer something and it was sort of like, I see your offering and thank you for it. And as a show of good faith, here's an offering of my own. And then they get to sort of meet in the middle. Yeah. Yes. I'm reading Matthew Hussey's book right now. He's a relationship expert. And he has this idea of like when you're pursuing somebody of like, take a step forward and then let them take the next step forward. Mm. And I like it because it's not playing hard to get because playing hard to get would be like, take one step forward, take two steps back. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to take a step here into this like emotional territory. And I'm just going to like, wait for a second and see if you come join me. And so there you're like, you're still having standards. You're still like holding your expectations high, but you're not running forward and you're not sprinting backwards. And yeah, like, that has its limits because eventually I think you if you've been with someone for a certain amount of time, you can still have standards and expectations like eventually it gets to the point where she's like, as your wife, I demand an explanation for this. Yeah, so I think it's a balance. But I think it does start with the with creating the space. Yeah, like I think the hope of that little, you know, sort of emotional two step is that eventually it'll make way for like more growth, you know, like mm-hmm. it'll, it's like the soft opening to this relationship. And then eventually you'll be like, oh, now this is a thing we do. These little steps encourage someone to eventually take the first step. And so if you're the mm-hmm. one taking the first step every time, I yeah. think, yeah, you're right. Eventually you have to be like, I'm drawing a line here. If yeah. we're going to be together, we're going to be together. Yes. And which leads me to my next thing that I think Daphne does pretty well is that she never really like lowers her standards or well, not never. In the beginning, Daphne does not lower her standards or dim her light to make room for him and all of his emotional baggage. And I think that's a really tempting thing to do when we have feelings for someone who's damaged. Is like we make yeah. them the most important thing in the room. And she doesn't, at least in the at least in the beginning, because eventually once once they're married and she learns about the kids thing, then she becomes more of like I don't know, this idea of like wifely duties comes into it. And that's when Mm -hmm. she gets like shitty and unhappy because she's making all these compromises for him that aren't doing anything for her. But in the beginning, like when they're first starting their courtship, fake courtship, when they're promenading, um, (laughs) you know, she's like, nope, we're going to this many balls. And like, this is how I need you to act and hear my expectations. And it's like, (laughs) he's, and I think when we, date someone more distant, we can let the like giving them time and space go too far to eventually like we're tiptoeing around them and not being our full selves. And yeah. she pretty much like, is her full self in the beginning. And I think if you want someone to be open around you, you have to be you. I like that Daphne is her full self in the beginning. Yeah, I think that people who don't trust people need their close friends and partners to be honest and consistent. And I think that's part of why she was such an attractive option for Simon, who sees everyone else being so fake and like falling into this societal things. And Daphne was just like really herself. And I think there's something very attractive. Yeah, I agree. I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they like come up with their plan to fake court Right after he saw her punch Nigel Berber. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I think, that that's, I think that's not a mistake. Like, I think that, yeah. you know, I think if it was some damsel he had to rescue, he might have been less inclined 
than if he was like, oh, this bitch, okay, like yeah. she's really standing on her own two feet. I think we can help mm-hmm. each other. And I, yeah. listen, I don't think that was like consciously what he was thinking, but I think from a storytelling point of view, it's a really smart thing that they did. And that's from the book right. too. She totally, you know, Jackson. Um, yeah, just go around punching people and you'll just go around everybody. punching people in Regency <laughs> England. Yeah, I think even you're so right. And then even a bit into their marriage, I think once she agrees to marry him, believing that he can't have children. I think even that is her not compromising. I think she made a choice mm-hmm. there. I think yes. um, not even not she a compromise. But like she, yes, exactly. Because, yeah, exactly. She was able to choose. He was he was willing to die. At, you know, he was like, no, I'll I'll die. I will I will get shot by your brother in this duel. That's the right thing to do. And I think she looked at her options and was like, OK, either I'm ruined and not married and the man I love is dead or I get married to the man I love and never have kids. And I think she weighed those two options and was like, well, let me take the one that at least affords me some happiness, mm-hmm. you know? So then I think what really turned for her eventually was finding out a, about his lie of omission and being like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that again robbed me of my agency because you didn't allow me to make a full decision, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And yeah. broke trust and all that. So that's like the towing of the line is like the creating the space and having standards and then also like having firm boundaries when you need to with Mm -hmm. people who are more distant or whatever their issue may be. And I think that one of the best things that she does, and this I'm going to say is a little bit more 2021 and a little less Bridgerton, but when he pulls away and says he can't be with her, she goes. And I don't think we should all like go then run into our second best option that we don't really love. Like, I don't think we should all like marry the prince but i her second best option is a hot hot (laughs) freddie stroma who's a literal prince (laughs) but when he's a jerk and he says all this stuff of like you were just a diversion and i think in general when someone's actively pushing you away and telling you they can't have a relationship i think the best thing to do is to go and that it's a win-win because like sure maybe somewhere deep down he does want to be with you but like you going is you considering yourself a high value person and being like, I don't Mm -hmm. have time to like fucking wait around for you to change your mind. And if he does change his mind, great, he'll go after you. And then he better like he or she, whoever they may be should win you back. And if they don't change their mind, then like you deserve to be able to move on. Because the way we're going through this, it's okay. How do you recognize if you have a Simon? Okay. Mm -hmm. Should you see all those red flags and decide to pass go? Here's what you do when you're in it. And I think right. one of the biggest things is I'm stealing this from my mom or, you know, somewhere where, where we read it. But like you can do 100 percent of your 50 percent, but that's it. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. do any of their 50 percent. So like I think that's what Daphne did well. I think she brought 100 percent of her end of it the whole time. You know, then it's it, then it's a matter of, OK, is he only bringing 25 percent? Because that's not going to be enough, you know. Right. Right. And yeah. when he can't, she goes and then he comes back and well you know still doesn't bring a hundred percent until he's fully honest with her but But when he is it's so good so good and and that's the thing is like I could sit and be like I don't ever recommend pursuing anybody who is emotionally distanced and said they can't give you a relationship but like that's unfair to not give every anybody like space and time to change and grow because yeah you do deserve to give people the space but you know if they're going to be a jerk like walk away yeah Well, and that's what worked too. I think her being willing to walk away was what made him realize, oh, shoot, if I don't do the work here, I'm going to lose the one thing I care about. Mm -hmm. And that we want everybody to take into 2021. (laughs) 
Totally. That's the takeaway from this trope that anyone can use. (laughs) Yeah. Make them work. Okay. So those are the things that like we think actually apply in 2021 in pursuing um, your Simon. But let's talk about the couple of things that happened in the show that uh, uh, lead a little bit more into the fantasy and that absolutely do not work and uh, (laughs) are the rom-com tropes of our dreams. And listen, this isn't like a, this is a leap of a parallel we're trying to make, Mm -hmm. but it's the literally trapping somebody um, (laughs) into a marriage, into having children. And I think like, you know, what this could potentially look like is being like, well, nope, we're going to be in a relationship. And I know people who have done this, who have been like, yeah, he didn't want to commit. And I just quote unquote, like wore him down. I don't think that no one's going to be happy there. That's a lose lose situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea that they'd like happen to work through the fact that she like trapped him in the marriage and then trapped him into having kids non-consensually, like the fact that they worked through that to me feels like a fantasy. Yeah, there's a little bit of trapping on both sides, kind of, in terms of in terms of the period drama element of like, listen, I know you guys are so hot for each other. But like when she ran out into the garden and he was like, I can't help myself. I'm like, bro, you know, it's Regency England. You kiss her. She's ruined. You know, and I listen, I don't think she had no part in that. We can exercise some restraint. So like to that point he took away a bunch of her options. But then I also think later on, she took away a bunch of his options because consent is always key. Even if you're married, he lied to her by omission, which is not okay. But her doing what she did was also not okay. So the only way I think that they really got through it at the end of the day was by massive communication and forgiveness. Like, thank God they love each other, you know? But I agree that is a little bit fantastic to think that you can get through um, wronging someone in so many ways. In so many ways. And then also like getting through it, getting through the lying by omission. I see what you're saying. He knew what she didn't know to a certain extent. Like he from from the way they do it in the show, the the amount of conversations they've had before they get to, hey, will you marry me? He knows how blind she is to the world, how little she knows based on how little she's been taught. So I think he knew using as few words as he did, what she would assume. I think, yeah, I think that part is certainly on him. He had to know that he wasn't giving her all the information to make an informed decision. And I think this idea of like, obviously there's so many, you know, things because of the time period of like marrying somebody without all the information. But like, I know that there are some people that are like, I know we haven't had every conversation, but like, I'm just going to take a quote leap of faith and like, we'll figure it out together. And I think if you're with someone who, you know, traditionally has not been very forthcoming with their feelings and their background and Mm -hmm. everything to take the quote, like leap of faith, I think is a fantasy to assume that like, it'll just work out because you actually, you don't know when you're with someone like that, who is slower to open up, or if you're slower to open up, you just have to give it like that much more time to know that you're ready for a commitment. That's just yes. Oh my God. You just made me think of this amazing parallel. It's the difference between the leap of faith and the big gesture. I think we get them confused, but think Mm -hmm. about, um, think about if you will frozen. And I feel like, um, Anna with Hans, that's the leap of faith. She's like, I just met him and I love him. We're getting married. Okay, well, like, what what are his brother's names? I don't know. I love him. But I think then there's the grand gesture, which is something else, which is, you know, 
Kristoff riding on horseback down the mountain to save her from a frozen heart. You know, like, I think that's different. I think that's earned. Yeah. So I think eventually we get the grand gesture in terms of, you know, the gorgeous, you know, speech in the rain and all this stuff. Like, I think that's different. That's earned through hard work and trust and admiration. And a grand gesture proves something and a leap of faith doesn't. So, And that's why, you know, at the end, we believe that they are happy. And midway through, even though there are a lot of like, you know, the speech she he makes to the queen is great and the speech he makes oh my god that speech ruined me oh how could it not and the burn for you scene is like so captivating too we'd be (laughs) remiss if we didn't at least shout out uh barlow and bear for their excellent bridgerton musical work on tiktok i made i made a point here and i want to point it out because i'm proud of myself people keep referring to them as abigail and emily which is their names which is amazing there's this whole thing about how patriarchally like we refer to women as their first names and men as like think about like Pasek and Paul you're not calling them their first and I was like whoa so now I'm out here just Barlow and and Bear all the time (laughs) but so yes in that like burn for you scene like you know obviously we get this like amazing speech but he's still not telling her everything you know what I mean so I think like that's also the fantastical part of it is is being like well this like beautiful speech and this sexy sexy first time making love scene oh my god it was so good still doesn't make up for transparency yeah because it's like oh he's admitting like i love you so much but how much can you really love someone if you don't love them enough to tell them the truth exactly exactly which is where they eventually of course get Um, and it's so cute and to have a baby and then there's a bee in the window because of course there is I really thank you so much for solving this bee thing for me you're welcome I didn't really notice it the first time but the second time I was like what who are these bees (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh okay so it's time to round out our episode with the age-old question do you ship it and by this we mean specifically do you ship Daphne and Simon and then generally do you ship this dynamic non-fictionally and if so why I unequivocally ship Daphne and Simon. Uh, In so many words, I burn for them. Um, I think they're great. I just think the show did a really good job. I think it's a, you know, a rare example. Not rare, but it's an excellent example of flawed human characters in television. I think that they both make mistakes. I think they both make a shit ton of mistakes. Um, Some due to the constraints of their time period. Some just due to human error. But what I really like about it is, A, it's a really excellent representation of this trope of the, you know, the reformed bad boy, which who doesn't love that? And the fake dating trope, I think both come together really nicely. But I think at the end of the day, communication wins. And I think that's, that's always gonna be my fave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's when it starts to work. Yeah, I agree. I ship them. And it's partially because of like the chemistry and the passion and the person you want to like giggle with at every boring party and have a make all jokes about like the sex scenes aside. My favorite scene besides sex on the ladder is the ball scene in the rain. Yeah, because I love it so much because I think just a great color palette and also I think in this scene we get that like x-factor chemistry the everything's all right because I'm here with you it doesn't matter that it's raining because I have you 
And also in this scene, we see that they've both learned to communicate better and mm-hmm. she's not pretending to be perfect and pretending to know what she's doing. She's just like, this is how I feel. And I'm going to choose to do the braver, bolder, scarier thing, which is to love. And yeah, he, the next morning is like, I don't know if I can do this right. And I'm scared, but I choose this too. And I think that like raw, natural, sexy chemistry paired with communication and a commitment to work on the relationship, that's the dream. And 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 so, yes, if you can have both, I ship it. You are so right. I'm so thrilled that you said that. And this is not the time for me to get into my number one feeling about a storyline like this. But I think we have so many storylines where we see women like, I got to be brave and push it down. Like, I just think, I don't know why, but I think that's been exhausted in, yes, in film and TV. But I think at, it's so much more interesting in today's day and age to see people learn to be vulnerable because I think the strong thing is to be vulnerable. Yes. So always. what, yeah, always the, yeah, you gotta be, I don't know. It's hard to be soft or something like gross mm. like that, but you know what you I mean? Gotta just, be old. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta be old. So I, I think that's such a cool, like we haven't seen that story a lot. Listen, just to be really sex positive about it. I think it's amazing to see uh representation of female masturbation on TV. I thought that Absolutely. was really cool. Oh my yeah. God. Like you just don't fucking see that. And I think that's so important. I think people should talk about it more. So like mm-hmm. good on them. Um, just real quick <laughs> on if we ship this dynamic in real life. Mm. If I had a friend who was like convinced that this emotionally distant, like kind of a fuck boy was going to change for her. I don't know. I never say never because I think if we are to believe that people never change, I think we would miss out on a lot of good people. Yeah. But I do worry about people spending too much time chasing a Simon. I maybe ship it for like one London season. Then move on. <laughs> one round in the town. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'd be skeptical, mainly because I just don't want that for my friends. We've seen enough of those stories to know that it certainly doesn't come without heartache. You know, that's not an easy road. And so more than anything, I just I wouldn't want my friends to go through that. But I've never been so certain I was right about anything. So like, on top of all of that, I trust my friends. And if they're like, this person is worth it, it's Mm -hmm. worth the work. I'll be like, okay, I trust you. You know, I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest rules in general is like, hey, as long as you're not hurting anyone, including yourself, go for it. So I think it would just take a lot of checking in and being like, is it still worth it? Is it still worth it? And to your point earlier, are they still bringing, is this person that you're pursuing also bringing 50% to the relationship? Yeah. So keep checking in. Keep checking in, Keep baby. Checking in and, you know, make sure he's going down on you because that is, the, I think, the main benefit of It's Simon. really important. And listen, in a library, all the better. Oh, my God. All the better. Surrounded by sites. literature. I love site-specific. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Katie, what a delight to have you back. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for yes. inviting me to the, the London ball season. Oh, yes. I'm happy to promenade with you anytime. <laughs> and you'll be back quite soon for some more <laughs> episodes that I'm very excited to talk about. But in the meantime, would you like to share your socials so people can keep up with you and your thoughts? Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much. On Instagram, I'm at Katie underscore Bud, B-U-D. Like, hey, she's your buddy. She's your pal. Um, points if anyone gets that reference. Jake's your buddy. Jake's your pal. 
Yeah. Uh, you can't name a kid Elliot. Or on TikTok, I'm at Katie Butterwitz. And same thing on Twitter. But I don't do anything interesting there, so don't bother. Yeah, but your TikTok's great. Thanks. Um, Fantastic. And everyone, you can find the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast. You can find me at Only Megan 815. And now we're back, y'all. We'll be back every Thursday with a new couple every week. If you have thoughts on Simon and Daphne, your favorite sex scene, your favorite vitamin string quartet cover, <laughs> and your general thoughts about falling for an emotionally unavailable Simon, you can find us there and share your thoughts. And then, you know, share your thoughts with us on other couples you'd like us to cover. Because now we're just going to start whipping through them baby yeah last minute hot take uh pick one choose your fighter a vitamin string quartet wildest dreams or bad guy oh that's a hard one i go yeah, back I know. and forth a lot really depends on the mood <laughs> it's really yeah it's like am i feeling epic or like devious <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 or am i feeling it, i never never in my life did i expect that wildest dreams would become a turn-on song for me <laughs> yet here we are here we are all right everyone we will see you next week Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.